Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome to the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today we're going to talk about preparing for the IEP meeting with effective communication. Now this is something that I feel very, very passionately about and something that I do almost every single day in my special education law practice. I go to IEP meetings with clients almost at least weekly and every single IEP meeting has a different purpose. Lots of times we're meeting for the annual IEP meeting, but sometimes we're meeting for something very specific because a child's accomplished a goal or because we need to add a service or take a service away or something like that. And so preparing for the IEP meeting itself can be extremely unique. But if you follow this system for every single meeting that you attend, I promise you your meetings will be more efficient and I hope they'll also be more effective. So I want to tell you one little story before we dive into the actual content of today's podcast. As you know, we are a few weeks into the Special Education and Advocacy Lab, my online training course that helps my students prepare for the IEP process from start to finish. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the IEP document itself what the different parts of the IEP are, what they mean, what we put into them, how we draft those parts effectively, all of that's covered in the Special Education and Advocacy Lab. And one of the participants had recently gone to her first IEP meeting, and she was very, very overwhelmed by how quickly it went, considering that the task that the IEP meeting had was to prepare the IEP for the child for the entire year. And she said, how are we supposed to prepare for an entire year's worth of content, these annual goals, and all of these services that, that this child was supposed to be getting in just a two hour meeting? Wow, that's a lot to accomplish. And that's a lot of communication to do for just one simple little meeting. And so of course, my explanation, my answer to that comment was, well, that's why you communicate all year long. And that's why you prepare for the meeting and you communicate before the meeting. So that when you actually get to the table, you can hit the ground running, you've got some basic groundwork done, and you can really just dive into that actual document. So that's one of the reasons that it's so, so important to really prepare for the IEP meeting. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give you a few steps that I use for every meeting that I go to, whether it's for my own child or if I'm taking a client along. So the first one is to ask the school if the school is going to prepare a draft of the IEP before the meeting. If they are going to prepare a draft of the meeting, which most of the time they do, then they have to give it to you. And so a couple weeks before the meeting, I think it's important to say, hey, if you're gonna prepare a draft, would you mind sharing it with me? And even look at your own calendar and say, you know, we've got dentist appointments the day before, and so that's gonna be a really busy day for me. It would be super helpful for me if I had it on Monday or whatever the case might be. But communicate in a kind and collaborative manner, a respectful manner, and simply say, if you're gonna prepare a draft, I'd like to look at it first because I think it'll make our meeting more efficient. Don't forget if you're sitting at the parent's seat at the table, under the parent rights, you have a right to this information. 
And not only do you have a right, but you also have an obligation to participate meaningfully in the IEP meeting. And if having that document ahead of time helps you do that, well then by all means, that's something that you should have at your disposal. So I absolutely recommend that you ask for a draft. I also recommend that you ask for any information upon which the school team will rely in drafting that draft IEP. By that, I mean progress monitoring data, maybe an evaluation report, maybe it's data from some other kind of system like a reading system that the child is engaged in or a math system that the child's engaged in. Maybe it's student work, maybe it's a summary of a statement from another teacher, if it's something behavioral or something academic. I would simply say, you know, anything else that you plan to present at the meeting, I'd like either a summary or I'd like the document simply so that I can take a look at it. And then I think it's also extremely helpful to have a list of the people that are going to be in attendance at the meeting. Now your state probably requires that the notice of the IEP meeting provide that information. However, it still is really important to know in a colloquial manner, maybe who the actual administrator is going to be. A lot of this is sociology. Anytime you're working with people, you have to think about their different personalities. So whether you follow Enneagram or you're just like human nature, it's important to know whom your audience is and that will help you to make your arguments and think about how you're going to start different discussions. Now, if you are in the special education and advocacy lab right now, you know that there's a lot more that I ask for before I go to the meeting. But I think these three topics are the main three things that I would ask for if I were just doing a simple, easy peasy annual IEP meeting or a meeting for a specific purpose. Now, it might take a second to get that information. And so while you're waiting, I think the next step would be to review any progress data that you've got in your possession at that particular moment and then anything that you've kept on your own. So progress data from school, you know, any of the data that you have, any student work that you have, any work that you've done with the child yourself. And then if you've been here long enough, you know that I recommend that you keep some kind of journal or log or notebook or actual progress at home. I recommend that you flip through that for the last time period. If it's an annual review, I recommend that you look at that stuff for the last year. The reason that you keep it is so that you can actively participate in developing the correct documentation for your child. And if we're preparing for an IEP meeting, then we need to look through all of that information for the last year because what happens one year then becomes relevant the next year. Now, when you get the school's draft, obviously the first thing I want for you to do is to read it. So step three is when you get that draft, I want for you to read it. Read it through one time without doing anything. Just simply read it and see if you can get a gist for it. I used to read it with a pencil in my hand and I would read the first two goals and they'd be reading and then maybe the third goal would move on to math. And so I would stop right there and as goal three, I would write, you know, I really think we need some kind of reading comprehension goal because I thought we had moved on from reading. Well, then I would get down to goal eight and it would be that reading comprehension goal. So it's really important to look at the document all at, all at once at the beginning without making any notes, look at it, see what the other side has to say, not the other side, but what the school side has to say, and then let that kind of sink in. On second reading, suggest any revisions to that document. It might be some wordsmithing that you choose. It might be some complete revisions. I don't like this goal, I think we need this goal, or I think we can take this goal out. Look at the document and see if you would make any changes. 
Now what I do when I look at it is I actually handwrite the changes onto the document. I send my handwritten document back to school. Now if I'm doing this for a client, I actually take my comments hopefully in two different colors so that then I can just simply erase the commentary that goes directly to my, um, to my client and I can keep the commentary that will go back to school. I send handwritten documents because it's easier to amend the document as it goes in order if it's right there on the document. So I actually take out a pencil or on my computer, I make notes, and then that's a document that I send back over to the school. So once you've made revisions, then I want for you to step outside that document and think about the stuff that I just had you review in step two. And think now, is there anything else that I would recommend adding into this document? You've looked at it receptively and you've said, okay, this is what school says, and this is what I want to add to what school says. But now an even harder thing is I'm the expert on my child, or I'm sitting at this from a different point of view from the person that drafted this. What else do I want to add in? Do I see a need in the community? Or do I see a different speech need? Or do I see a different academic need? And would I like to bring that in? And if I do want to bring that in, then I want for you to write that down also. Now you might write it down on the back of the document in your handwritten note. You might write it down in an email. You might write it down in any different format. But you have an obligation to participate in the development of that IEP. And so if there's something that you would like to add, I simply recommend that you make note of what you would like to add. So that's step three. Review the school's draft when you get it, consider what you would change, and then consider what you would add to that document. Now, step four is look at your notes and think about anything that you need to substantiate your advocacy. So do you need a journal entry? Do you need a, um, some student work? Do you need little video clips? What do you need in order to say, you know, I think there's a need for X, Y, and Z. I'd like to revise your document to say this, this, or this, and here's the reason why. You know that I like to add objective information behind my subjective advocacy. So if I as a mom say, gosh, I would really like a receptive speech goal, I better be able to say because, and then add some objective information. Because when I say blah, 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 my child doesn't seem to understand. When I ask questions after I've said something, my child can't answer. I'd like to work on this particular sound in speech. For me, it might be z because my child calls cheese chi because he doesn't hear the z. And so how can we teach him how to say z? That seems pretty important when we're talking about plurals. And it might be a key to math because he might not understand plural numbers because he might not hear that s. And so we talk about that. Now in that particular example, I might take some, um, some little short video clips and just say, hold up, maybe some cheese, and say, what is this? It's chi, okay, cheese. And then my son can't repeat it because he doesn't hear that z at the end. 
And so take whatever information that you have, whatever data that you're keeping, whatever data or information that you can gather after you identify the need in step three and gather that all up. Get it together because you're gonna use that in the meeting and hopefully before the meeting to say, this is what I think and here is why. Get that objective information. Now, if you're keeping journals or logs or if you're keeping some kind of diary, then sometimes it's important to actually take the information that you have and assimilate it into something that's easier for the other people on the team to understand. So if you're, for example, looking at behaviors in the community, you might not want to give them 365 days of journal entries or 12 months worth of calendar entries, but rather you might take your calendar and assimilate all the different behavioral patterns into one document. So it might be an Excel spreadsheet, it might be a Word document, it might be something handwritten that you do, it might be some kind of chart, but you can take the information that you've gathered, as messy as it is when it happens organically in life, and take that and assimilate it into one thing. It won't take you very long to make that into something nice and something easy to share. And if you do that, you take the time before the meeting, then when you go into the meeting, you aren't spinning saying, well, hang on, let me flip to January. Yeah, it did happen one time in January, but, and you're flipping and you're flipping. It looks like it didn't happen in February. And then you look at your husband and say, I could have sworn it happened in February. And then you flip and you say, oh no, it was March 1st that it happened again. So take all that information as messy and organic as it is over the course of the year, if you're progress monitoring, if you do what I recommend and you take journals, you take diaries, you take logs, but then before the meeting, consider condensing it into something that's more meaningful and something that you can convey efficiently. And then if school says, well, how do you know this? Then you could say, oh, well, I keep this journal and here's a copy of the journal that I actually keep. And so you're taking all of that information and you're gathering it. Now, some of the information might come from outside sources. So you might think, you know, in private tutoring, my child is working on this particular reading strategy and it's really seeming to work. I'd love for school to consider this particular reading strategy. Well, then it might be helpful to get something from the tutor to explain why it's working in private tutoring. So you might consider asking that private tutor to maybe even come to the meeting or to present some kind of presentation, whether it's maybe a PowerPoint or a report from the tutor or a video from the tutor or some kind of progress monitoring from the tutor. Bring that information from an outside source, not from something that you've kept as a professional or as a parent or as the, your role at the IEP meeting but consider information from somebody outside the IEP team and see if that might be meaningful to add to this discussion that you're going to have at the IEP table. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to thing number five, tip number five. So just to review where we've been, we've asked the school for the information. We've gathered documentation ourselves. We've reviewed the school's document and added to it ourselves. We've taken all of the information and we've assimilated it now in the context of that which we are going to ask for in the confines of the, that IEP. And now, step five, we're going to share all of those thoughts with the remainder of the IEP team. And what this is gonna do is this is gonna start us off on the right foot. And so, 
As I told you, I send in my handwritten notes. I send the IEP. I have a Microsoft Surface, so I write directly on my computer. It's in front of me right now. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I've got this handy dandy little pen and I'll sit down and I'll just write the notes on there. Sometimes I color code them. Sometimes I even write the notes, the substantiation, like, gosh, I really think we should add a reading comprehension goal because the information from IXL indicates that reading comprehension is not a strength right now. Or we've kind of plateaued with reading comprehension. We left it off of the IEP last year and I think we should add it. Whatever it is, sometimes I'll just write that in there because it's simple. Sometimes I just simply write the correction or the revision onto the IEP and then what I do is I open an email or a letter or something that's different. And then I'll say, um, you know, as you'll see, I ask that we add a reading comprehension goal and here's the substantiation for that. And if I attach data from someplace else or if I attach a report or if I've got some other information, then I'll reference that in that document. So the email, which is what I typically send, will kind of bring it all together. It'll have the handwritten notes as an attachment, but it'll also have just kind of a, a paragraph in, in prose form that will explain various different things. One revision that I make to IEPs really, really often is I don't like for behavior to look like it's voluntary. My child has ADHD, and I remember before he took medication for his ADHD, I recognized that he was extremely impulsive. And honestly, I felt so terrible for him because his body wanted to behave. His brain wanted to keep his hands to himself. He didn't want to have to touch every single wall, every single surface, every single person. He was literally pulling other children's hair out. And I felt so sorry for him. And so what I would say to him is, tell your hands to stay in your pockets. Tell your body to have quiet hands. And then I would give him a visual. I would cross my hands and put them in my lap. Tell your body to walk down the hall with your hands at your side. Tell your body because he didn't have control with that impulsivity to do it himself. And so oftentimes I'll read an IEP draft that will say, you know, if it's my child, um, Jack will behave well if he um, can, um, if he chooses to. If he wants to do well, he'll do a good job. Well, that, that kind of stuff makes me incredibly sad because Jack's behavior is really affected by his impulsivity. And so he always wants to do well. It's human nature to want to do well. And he doesn't have any kind of other condition that affects that human nature. But his impulsivity would get in the way. And then his, his desire to do good, to behave well, would be affected negatively by that impulsivity. And so that's something that takes a second to explain. And so on the IEP itself, I, for example, would, would correct the language in a way that was more acceptable to me because I agree that Jack does well if his behavior doesn't get in the way. He is able to attend better to academic and fine motor tasks and all of the other tasks if his behavior doesn't get in the way. And so that statement in and of itself is important to Jack's behavioral profile and to his academic profile. But it was bothersome to me that we would write language that would make it look like his fault. And honestly, I don't think this has ever happened in my own particular case, but I have a lot of children with Down syndrome, a lot of children with CP that are on my caseload as a special education attorney. And I see these statements really often. And so then what I do is I write a paragraph. 
I correct the language and something that's reasonable to me on the document, and then I write a paragraph in the email that explains that impulsivity or explains that human desire to want to do well. You know, if we don't have a behavioral um, diagnosis that wants us to be defiant, then it's important to use the correct language in order to be true to the student and define the function of the behavior, which is the most important piece in supporting the behavior. So that's an example of how I communicate that information to the rest of the team. I'll write the comments on the draft. I'll send the email with additional thoughts or explanations or whatever. I'll attach any documentation that I have to support what I'm saying. And then I also will ask for missing information. I might say, gosh, you know, it would be really helpful to understand the data from that um, computer system that you use, from IXL or from Edgenuity or from Star Reading. That would be really helpful. I wonder if I could take a look at that. Or, I'm sorry, I don't have the data from the second quarter. I'm sure you sent it home, but I can't find it. Um, would you be willing to send that over to me before the meeting so I can take a look at it? It's simply a missing um, hole. Or, I know that um, every child in this grade level had their vision tested, and I'm wondering if that could be um, some point of impact here. And so, could I have that vision report? You know, something that's not even within the IEP realm, but something that might be helpful to the decision making. So ask for any additional information that might be missing. Now, if you're listening to this in, in real time, if you're listening to this the week that this is dropping, I actually have another communication tip that I've talked about on Instagram. I, I did a reel that kind of um, alluded to this communication tip, and I promised everybody that on my email list this week, which is, I'm going to check my watch here, the week of Sunday, October 18th, what I'm doing is I'm going to send an email this week with my very favorite communication tip. If you follow this very favorite communication tip, you're going to lay the foundation every single week of the school year for this kind of communication. So if you aren't already on my email list, hop over to www.ashleybarlowco.com. You can join the mailing list from there and you're going to get that email this week with my favorite communication tip that's really, really, really going to support this kind of communication that happens right before the IEP meeting. Okay, so I've shared the information with the IEP team. Now, do I make my coffee, hang out, and sit and relax and wait? No, I've got one more step. Then I have to gather my information and I've got to organize it in a way that it's going to be meaningfully presented at the actual meeting because I've shared it with everybody, but we still now have to have the discussion. And it's not so much as have to have the discussion because it's all been laid out. So we get to have the discussion. And so I've organized that information or I've, I've communicated it. Now what I need to do is I need to get it organized so that I'm ready for the meeting. Now, if you listened to last week's podcast, then you know that we talked about getting more out of the IEP by advocating in the sequence of the IEP. If you haven't listened to that podcast, that podcast episode will help you to prepare for this portion of your IEP meeting preparation. 
Because what I'm gonna have you do is I'm gonna have you gather the documentation and think about when you need to present it. You probably, if you're trying to add something, you probably need to make sure that present levels indicates that need. So you want to follow the order of the IEP like we talked about last week, and we want to get all of that information in. So you're gonna take the information that you've just gathered and communicated about to the school team, and you're going to think about when you're going to present it in the actual meeting. Now, for me, this is really organic. I barely have to think about it, but sometimes I do have to strategize about when I'm going to introduce a document, how I'm going to introduce a document, if I'm gonna play the video, what I'm gonna do in order to get that information to the team so that the team can actually consider it in the meeting. Remember that you are blending the objective information, the data, the video, the diary, the stuff that you've assimilated into something that's easy to communicate to the meeting. You're blending that objective information with your subjective feeling because you are an expert on the child. So you're blending all of that together and that's what we're trying to communicate when we're at the IEP table. You also have an obligation to collaborate with the rest of the team in order to make a successful plan for an entire year. So you have this very important task and it's important that you plan so that you can collaborate effectively. And you obviously are tasked with keeping the child at the center of the IEP. And so if you don't plan how this information's gonna come in, you're gonna be so flustered that somehow we lose the child. And so if you organize that information and then you stop and think, when am I going to talk about this? And you do it in the sequence of the IEP very strategically, then you're going to be more successful, which will in turn keep the child at the center of the IEP meeting. So we've shared all the information, we've thought about how we're going to present it, now we're ready to sit back and relax. You don't have to be stressed out, you don't have to be that meme of the lady that's drinking coffee at midnight the night before the meeting and then drinking wine at five o'clock the, the same day after the meeting. You don't have to be that person because you have a plan, you have the information to support the plan, you know the child and you are ready to go. This takes a little bit of time, I'll give you that. It takes a little bit of work throughout the school year. We should be doing that anyway. And I promise you that if you prepare for the IEP meeting in this way, your IEP meeting is going to be far more efficient, far more fast. You are going to have a much more meaningful way to participate in the meeting and you're going to be far less stressed and have a lot more control over the outcome in the meetings. I hope this works for you. I would love to hear if it does. So I would like for you to send me an email, DM me on Facebook or on Instagram, wherever you like to follow me. Give me information, tell me if this works, tell me your hesitations. I'm happy to support you if you give me a little bit of feedback and tell me what you think. I can't wait to see you again next week. I actually have a special guest next week and I'm so excited to share that information with you as well. Have a great week.